0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We continue to look for folks healing America, one house at a time, and today, we're gonna learn about rehabbing houses, taking that ugly duckling and making it beautiful for a quick profit or long-term income, today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Are you ready for adventure and financial education? Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Join the Real Estate Guys radio show for the 12th Annual Investor Summit. Returning this year are Rich Dad Advisors Ken McElroy, Andy Tanner, and Josh and Lisa Lannan international developer Beth Clifford, attorney Mauricio Raul, and back for his fourth year, Patrick Donahoe will show you how to be your own bank. Plus, making his summit debut, top sales trainer Tom Hopkins, and returning for his second year, the incomparable Peter Schiff. Peter is one of the few people who called the mortgage meltdown in writing before it happened. So come and find out how you can be prepared for the next economic shift. It all begins March 8th in Houston. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to learn more. Get all the details and reserve your spot today. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit or call 888-GUYS-RADIO to talk with our Summit Specialist. Spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 12th Annual Investor Summit.
1: It's safe to say that most of us can make a better cheeseburger than McDonald's.
2: Pull up Google for the best recipe... Buy the meat, fire up the grill, voila! But there are only a handful of people that have created a business model and system like theirs. McDonald's is successful because of their system, not their food. The infinite banking concept is one of the best financial systems that has ever existed. It helped start the Pampered Chef, JCPenney, and Disney World, plus thousands of other businesses. Learn more about the infinite banking concept from our friends at Paradigm Life today by visiting www.beyourbank.com or by calling 1-800-870-8670. Welcome
0: to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in. show today. We have a fabulous hands-on, tactical show for you today. First, let's meet our co-host financial strategist, Russell. Dragon. Hey, Robert. This is a topic we've been wanting to cover for quite some time. Yes. Right. The way for you to make money in real estate is dependent upon who you are, the skills you have, who you know, what market you like, how much risk you want to take. It's different for everybody. There's a thousand ways to make money in real estate. And yet, if you don't get focused, you won't make money in any of those ways. So the key is to figure out what your core competency is, what your personal investment philosophy is, and then go exit. And one of the many ways to make money in property is to buy the ugly duckling, rat it out, terrible, mistreated property, and make it much better to rehab a property. Tons of shows out there on flipping properties where you buy one and you fix it up and you sell it. And that's a great way to make some money. I wouldn't call that real estate investing. i call that a business. But what if you bought an ugly duckling, went through the effort, fixed it up, and kept it? So, The idea of being able to add value to real estate is one of the great ways to create wealth.
1: Yeah, we call it forcing equity. And in a flat market, it's a great way to make sure that you've got some value because when you you buy property, especially if you use financing and you're in a relatively flat market, the only way you're going to get out with your equity intact if you decide to exit is you have to have at least enough appreciation to cover your exit costs. Forget making a profit if you're going to hold it for cash flow, right? But If you go in and you buy it below market and you force equity into it so that you're already in an instant equity position because you put it there, even if the market's flat, that can work out real well. Of course, what we're seeing today is the real estate market asset value price-wise is improving. And so it's attracting even more people because there's still distressed inventory out there. Banks are still working their way through foreclosures, especially in the judicial states. And because of that, the inventory comes in and it puts a little bit of a drag on the market. Yet we have growing population. We know builder confidence has been improving. And even though interest rates have crept up a little bit, they're still extremely low and the numbers still make a lot of sense, especially in the better price market. So flippers are coming in going, hey, I can buy this distressed inventory. There's still buyers in the market that can get loans and consumer lending is actually loosening up a little bit. And so all of that paints a pretty rosy picture for people who want to buy the ugly duckling, fix it up. And then put some cash in their pocket or keep the equity in the property and hold it for cash flow.
0: Well, so before you long-term buy-and-hold investors tune away from this show thinking it's all about flipping houses, there's a bigger picture here. Our guest today rehabs more than 100 houses a year, so he kind of knows what he's doing. He's been in the business for than 10 years. This is a significant guy to learn from, but... If all you're ever going to do is buy, say, a turnkey house or buy a property you're going to keep for 20 years, you're going to learn a ton about the process from going through today's show. So, this isn't just for people who want to do the fixing up. It's kind of like I want to know enough about the way my car works so it, you know, don't get taken advantage of by a mechanic. I don't want to be able to fix the car myself. So, by hanging around on the show today, you're going to get some of the nuances of what it takes really from a tactical street level to get a property up to the shape it needs to be and how you you can create income. We're excited to have our good friend Terry Kerr on the program. We're going to talk about rehabbing those ugly houses and making them beautiful, healing America one house at a time today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Stay with us.
3: My life changed when I learned how to invest in real estate. Hello, this is Tom Hopkins and you are so lucky to be listening to the Real Estate Guys and welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloader
0: podcast on real estate investing. Today, we're talking about how do you rehab a house, and it's some practical, tactical stuff. Please welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program from Memphis, Tennessee, Terry Kerr. Hey, Terry. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to have you, my friend. You've been very busy these days. I have been very busy. Business is good in Memphis. Yeah, 100 houses this year. That's a ton of houses to rehab, And, and you know, the average person who looks at doing a rehab is daunted by how much work it is, and so What we're hoping today is you can kind of break down what's involved in that and, and I guess take us back to when you first started because when you first started looking at that first house, you were in the position many of the listeners are today who are thinking about this.
2: Yes, absolutely. The first house that I bought was a house that I just bought to fix up and move my family into. Uh, so I learned a ton. It was very painful, uh, but I learned a lot of valuable lessons. And uh, a couple of months into the rehab, I decided that that's what I wanted to do uh, to do for good. So uh, I learned how to fix these houses up with my own two hands, but I quickly found out uh, that that was not my forte and I needed to hire folks that knew a heck of a lot more about it than I did. Oh, stop there. That is such a piece of gold because
0: there are folks who are listening
2: who have skills. Maybe they're in the trade. Maybe they
0: work for somebody else in construction to go, wait a minute, I could be doing this on my own account, but you hit on a huge thing, which is if I, let's say I was the greatest home builder in the world, how much can I really do on my own? You got to realize at some point, there's someone that can do it better, faster,
2: and cheaper than you. Absolutely. And basically, I think uh, what you're talking about is the cost of lost opportunity, yeah. uh, because uh, if you could just because you can do everything yourself doesn't mean you should do everything yourself. So uh, I can get underneath the house and plummet and I can fix a floor joist and put on a roof and do the whole nine yards. Uh, but if I did that, I could only do a few houses a year. So uh, I think the idea uh, is to uh, get out there, um, uh, build your team uh, and you build your team one. Uh, you build your team, one guy or gal at a time. Well, that's a that's
0: a huge point. Having walked uh, through some houses with you, it's clear to me that you know what you're doing, but also that you're not the one that's doing it. And I think that's that's, you know, depending on who the listener is right now, they're thinking, well, hey, I got some time. I got some resources. We're not saying you can't do the work. In fact, I would almost say learn the trade, learn the skill. And then if you have the idea that I want to do more in
2: in my portfolio or even for other people, you've got to build that team. Absolutely. What I would suggest to the listeners out there that are considering rehabbing and flipping or rehabbing and holding their first house is I would consider doing what I call the Saturday powwow. Uh, What you do is you get up on Saturday morning, uh, or it can be a weekday morning before you go to work, go to Lowe's or go to your local big hardware store, show up as soon as the doors open. Because if you do, the folks that are going to be coming in there, the electricians and the HVAC guys, the floor guys, these are the go-getters. That's who you want to work with. You don't want to try to get the absolute lowest quote uh, because uh, the the lowest quote is almost always not going to be a a good quality of work. And probably take longer to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, So what I'd suggest is go in early. um, uh, Find yourself three electricians, three HVAC guys, three roofers, three flooring guys. And then really what you're looking for is you're looking for your crew leader, which is the handyman that's going to do what I would call 70% of the rehab. Uh, you need a separate roofer. You need a separate electrician. You need a separate HVAC guy. And you need a separate, say, carpet or hardwood guy. But besides that, your crew leader is going to be the guy or gal who runs a team of probably two or three Helpers, I'll call them. And you're looking for a hands-on crew leader. You're not looking for a crew leader who's going to point and tell other people to do the work. You want somebody who's going to get in there and do it themselves. And uh, you're not looking for a general contractor. If you're going to be rehabbing these houses, you need to be the GC. You, and so, being the general contractor means you're hiring out all the tradesmen. Well, when you find your uh, your crew leader, I'll call them your crew leader is going to be doing uh, putting up cabinets, doing the sheetrock, the uh, the baseboards, and the trim. Uh, they they may even be installing the light fixtures and ceiling fans. That's not necessarily something uh, an electrician uh, uh, would be doing for you. But by doing the Saturday powwow, if you get all these tradesmen together, and then you go out and you have them show up. On a Saturday, let's say, uh, uh, at the property that you're, that you're wanting to rehab. You haven't even made an offer on it yet. You get everybody to show up maybe in 30 minute increments and tell you what they would do to the property and why they would do it the way they would do it. By the end of the day, you've gotten so educated because you've talked to two or three of each of these tradesmen. By the time uh, the the third roofer comes through, you're going to be speaking roofing lingo. And that roofer is going to know, oh, this guy's no dummy. This gal's no dummy. Uh, they know what's up. And you're going to get better quotes. And that's the way to start it. Wow, what a huge idea. I wouldn't have thought of that in a million years. All right, so you're going to find the person
0: that's up early in the morning, the person who's actually doing business or they wouldn't be there, right, and get those quotes and those ideas is. How if I'm starting out? Do I pay a person like that? Is it just a vendor relationship? Am I looking for more of a partner? Is it some kind of cost plus? What's the what's the way I start
2: out? Here's how you do it. Um, you're not looking for a partner. Uh, you're looking for your uh, electrician or your handyman who's going to be doing say 70% of this of uh, the rehab work. Right. You're looking for a labor only quote. You're looking for a material estimate but you're looking for a labor only quote. Okay, reason. so the idea is you
0: would go buy the materials necessary, you'd pay them for their labor basically bidding the job.
2: Absolutely. Right. And and that does and that's not to say that you got to load up 40 sheets of plywood on the hood of your BMW. But If you are getting a labor-only quote, there's no way for that contractor to be able to lump the labor and material together to hide exactly what the deal is. And if you want to break it down to brass tacks, what you can say for a piece of work is you could say, "Okay, Mr. Handyman, um, uh, I need you to re-sheetrock this room. Uh, How much are you going to charge me for it just For the labor. They may say, well, I need, um, uh, 1200 bucks to, to re sheetrock this room. Then you would say about how many hours do you think it would take for you to do that? Well, I think it would take me 20 hours. Okay. Wow. You get paid a lot per hour. I think I'm going to go into the sheetrock business. Yeah. You can back into how much somebody is willing to work for per hour and then pat it a little bit because it always takes folks a little longer than they think, because the idea is not to beat up your contractors. The idea is to get good work done for a fair price and be able to use and work with that individual again. So you got to leave some meat on the bone for your contractors, because if you beat them up and ring out every last dime, they're not going to want to work for you anymore. Well, I also
0: think it's a great practice to understand how much wiggle room there is. You don't want a desperate person working who says, oh, yeah, I'll take less. Let them defend their feet because if they're professionals, they will, and they'll show the value. They'll say, hey, this is what this costs, and this is what I'm willing to do, and I've got this much experience. And and again, you made a great point at the beginning, which is you don't want the low-cost leader. The guy who's the cheapest is maybe the less skilled, maybe the most desperate, maybe has urgent financial needs that are going to create drama in your project, and probably even if they cost you one extra day, time is money in the rehab business.
2: Absolutely. Uh, and now that we're that you mentioned uh, someone being desperate, when I first got into this business, um, I, I had contractors run off with money. I had contractors run off with materials, uh, and it wasn't fun. Um, don't let your contractors get ahead of you in the money. They're going to say, okay, well, I need a third up front to start. No, that's not part of the program. Right. Uh, you need to see a significant amount of work done. If someone's going to start on a Monday, they don't need to be getting paid until Friday. Uh, so see how much work has been done. Um, and uh, and give them a little bit of a draw, but don't let them get too far ahead of you.
0: All right, this is great stuff. So we have a crew leader and they're going to do maybe 70% of the work. And I, I love that because it's hands-on and they're going to really understand the, the process. Are they
2: going to bring in the other folks
0: to do the 30% or is that something you're going to do?
2: That's something that you're going to do. You don't want them bringing in the other folks because if you if you do that right off the bat, I'm not talking about if you've been doing this for years and you get a referral, that's yeah. different. But when you're building your team, you don't want your crew leader or maybe you don't even want your HVAC guy telling you that he can do the electrical or you can use his electrician buddy because there's going to be some money exchanging hands behind the scenes. Right. So you want to interview two or three or four of each tradesman, and then again, after you're on your third or fourth interview with each tradesperson, you're going to be speaking the lingo, and you're probably going to find your better uh, your better quotes uh, once, you've, once you've interviewed a tradesperson or two or three or four, uh, but definitely uh, as the homeowner, you are acting as the general contractor, and you don't want your crew leader hiring anyone except for other helpers to help the crew leader with his piece of scope of work. Now, Terry, I don't know, because I've only rehabbed one house in my life, and it was by
0: hiring someone to do it. So I'm no expert, which is why we've got you here today. But I'm going to guess that over time, your team's probably going to change, right? You might hire someone and in this idea of multiple bids, so you get multiple input and ideas in addition to pricing, kind of keeping each other honest is good. But as you get better, as you understand more, I'm going to think probably your team's
2: going to change. Have you seen that happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. And people retire. Um, some uh, Some electricians, uh, may be great for smaller jobs, but you might hit your third or fourth rehab and you need to rewire a whole house and that's not your electrician's forte. But that's when you can leverage relationships and you can have the electrician that you that's done great work for you refer you to another electrician um, that may be able to do a, a larger piece of work. Um, and it's definitely good not to put all your eggs in one basket. Don't have just one roofer. I'll kick out some tree work to two or three tree guys and see where the numbers come back in. It's amazing. You would think that the low guy would always be the low guy and the high guy would always be the high guy. It's not that way. I can't tell you why. I just know it's not. Wow, interesting. Well, yeah, like seasonality and what other jobs they're working
0: out and how hungry they are and, and all that. And and maybe their level of expertise as they get better and refined. I think part of this is also if you're just planning to do one house a year, that might look different than your story, right? You started out in your own account and investing by doing a house that wasn't just gonna be the house you were gonna live in, but one you'd keep as a rental and another one. Before long you figured out, well, to get some some capital together, I better sell some of these houses. And so as your production
2: level got bigger, there was wasn't going to be one crew leader that could do it all absolutely not. So, uh right now I've got five guys that are doing HVAC for me. I've got three guys that are doing electric, two guys uh doing carpet work, three tree guys and so on and so forth. So, but uh, in the early stages, um you're just looking for one good tradesperson per trade, but then have you a backup in there because whenever your uh electrician is tied up on a long time job, you do not want your job to lag because you're having to wait for that tradesperson to get to your job. Uh, the time kills all deals and the cost of lost opportunity is huge. You're paying taxes, you're paying insurance, you're paying yard upkeep, uh, and you're paying for utilities every single day that property sits there. Not to mention if you're going to keep it for rental, um, it's the, uh, the, the rent that you're not collecting because the property is sitting there. So, um, when you get your property kicked off, you want to have a schedule and you want to have all of your major tradesmen lined up and know approximately when they're going to start. Your electrician needs to have your HVAC guy's number, your plumber. You all need to have a meeting of the minds when you start the project because if the electrician has to get in and finish before the plumber who has to get in and finish before your HVAC guy, you don't want people pointing fingers at each other and you want the electrician fussing at the plumber not everyone calling you saying that the, prop, the project is dragging out. And if you want to, you can even put a penalty and a bonus structure in place. So if someone finishes a job a couple of days early, they get an extra 50 bucks a day for finishing early. And if they finish late, that costs them 50 bucks a day. And that's a good way to keep your project on track.
0: Yeah, because time is money in this business. And, and if you are listening to this as a long-term buy and hold investor, you may not think of this, you know, we think of vacancy as the time it takes between, you know, turnover and getting the next tenant. In. But in this case, the, the minute that I close in the property, I've got a long time until I get that first rent check. And the more I can shorten that, the better my whole return is going to be. So you want to have the work be done well, but it's also got to hit the timelines. And you're talking about assembling a team but where
2: perhaps the players have never played together. And so that's a little bit of hurting cats, isn't it? Absolutely it is. And that's your job to be the grease and to make sure that everyone gets along. Everyone plays nice. The keys stay in the key box. So when your HVAC guy shows up, he can get into the property. Everyone sets the alarm when they leave. So you're going to be training your team. And once you've trained your team, your job is to go out and find the next property because the idea is to create a cookie cutter of an assembly line so you can buy it fix it put a permanent mortgage on it keep it as a rental or if you want to sell it sell it and then do it again and do it again it takes too much time effort and energy just to do something one time
0: Our guest is Terry Kerr. We're talking about hunting down great deals and rehabbing properties for profit by force and equity. Lots more to talk about today on the Real Estate Guys radio network. Real estate investment advice
3: right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at
4: realestateguysradio.com. Do you know what city was ranked number one on Clear Capital's list of highest performing metro markets just this February? It was Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. If you haven't heard, Atlanta has just begun an incredible road to recovering real estate values. With an unprecedented demand from investors and a shrinking supply of inventory, properties in the Atlanta market are poised for tremendous growth over the next few years. At Georgia Residential Partners, our mission is to help as many investors as possible buy turnkey cash-flowing properties in the Atlanta metro area with as little headache as possible. With conventional and non-conventional financing available, we can help just about any investor in any number of situations buy residential properties in this market. Check us out online at GAinvesting.com or call our office at 770-924-5450. Don't let this window of opportunity pass you by.
2: When it comes to positive cash flow, it's essential to keep expenses and vacancy low. Wouldn't it be great to buy a brand-new rental house with a builder's home warranty in a strong
4: jobs market? Now you can. Discover the Build to Rent program from Texas Investor Homes. Buy a brand-new rent-ready single-family home in the top job creation market
2: in the U.S., Houston, Texas. Our friend Ron Black has prepared a short webinar with all the
3: details. Send your email request to Build to Rent at realestateguysradio.com, and we'll send you the link. That's build to rent at realestateguysradio.com
2: or visit the resource section of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hello, this is Dave Linegar, co founder of Remax International. You're listening to
0: The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show today. We appreciate you tuning in. We're happy to have Terry Kerr with us. And uh, Terry, you know, you've got so much experience in this good, bad, and ugly, right? Sometimes it goes well. I know there's been a ton of deals where you've learned a lot of lessons. We'll talk about that uh, today for sure. We're talking about bringing on a crew leader who's going to kind of be your main person to start. And walk us through the, the process of deciding the work that needs to be done. So so maybe you know scope of work by walking to the house. But if I'm new to this. I don't know what materials to buy. Do I put in granite? Do I try to go for mica? Am I looking for the cheapest white tile I can get? Uh, Walk us through some of that stuff because it is a return on investment we're looking for. Easy to over improve a house,
2: but you don't want to under improve it either. Absolutely. The best thing to do is, first of all, before you even make an offer on a property, you need to know what that property is going to be. Are you going to buy it, fix it and sell it retail to someone who's going to live in it? Um, Are you going to buy it, fix it and keep it for a tenant? Once you figure out which which direction you're going to go. Then go out and educate yourself on properties in the same neighborhood. Don't go across town. Look at the properties that are for rent in the same neighborhood and property managers are cool um, if if you're gonna have a property in their neighborhood give them a call say hey I saw the places for rent I've got a property around the corner that I'm getting ready to rehab I'm really wanting to do a good job uh, would you mind let me see the inside of the property you'll be surprised if you ask for help people will help you go in see what the markets doing and uh, and maybe maybe you go a step above uh, in improvements just a little bit not much but the things that make the difference um, are cleanliness and nice clean sharp paint lines uh, there are things that don't necessarily cost a whole lot of money. Um, you might want to use uh, oil-rubbed bronze doorknobs instead of uh, in, instead of pewter, um, just little differences like that that don't necessarily cost a lot of money. But the main thing is to identify exactly uh, who your uh, target audience is going to be, whether you're going to be selling it to the owner-occupant or making it uh, into a rental property, and then just follow the market.
0: That's huge because, obviously, if I'm trying to sell to a retail buyer, someone who's going to live in the house, they're going to have completely different value proposition on what they'll pay for versus a tenant, right? You can overspend in a tenant situation. You're not going to see a dime more of rent. One of the things I've noticed looking at the houses that you guys have done, which I think is we've got to bridge a gap here, right? Today, when I go out and look at four or five houses that your team has remodeled, There's so many similarities. The paint color is the same. The tile works beautiful and consistent. I know I'm in a Terry Kerr house. So at some point, you got to the point where you said, this is the color we're going to use. This is what makes sense in terms of carpeting. This is when we're going to go with hardwood. Up until I build up to that point how do I make sure that I'm building towards something that's sustainable and repeatable?
2: If you know that you want to get into this long term and you're wanting to build a portfolio of rental properties, make sure that the materials that you buy are not close out. In other words, you can't find them again. Right. Uh, so buy the stuff off the shelf, ask for a discount. Uh, if you go in and you're buying a whole house full of doorknobs, a whole house full of mini blinds, all of the cabinets, the countertops, uh, whatnot, make sure to ask for a discount.
0: Even at a, one of those big giant stores, I can ask for a discount.
2: Absolutely you can, but don't ask the guy or gal at the checkout. Right. Go over to the contractor's desk and ask for the contractor manager and let him or her know that you're going to be rehabbing an entire house and you're trying to decide on whether or not to go with Lowe's or Home Depot and show them a list of the materials that you're about to buy, then you'll probably get about a 10% discount, which can be very significant.
0: That is gold right there. We have just put money in listeners' pockets. I love that. All right. So uh, now that we're kind of building towards, you know, coming up with the rehab, let's talk about the landmines because I know you've been through a thousand of these stories where it doesn't always go as planned and so forth. So what are the kind of the most common
2: mistakes that you think people make in this venue? Not doing their due diligence before they buy the property, not getting enough estimates from their contractors, and not having a firm quote from everyone before they start it goes without saying that if you're just getting into this business please spend three or four hundred bucks on a home inspection um, I spent three or four hundred bucks on my first home and I am so glad that I did what ended up happening was as you get this big report back from the inspector who's ding all this stuff and you take that report and you give it to the agent or the private seller and say look at this I'm not paying this for this property I can only pay this and they're able to take that inspection inspection report to the seller. And present it to the seller, and it makes uh, your your chances of getting uh, a much lower offer accepted uh, go through the roof when you have that. Not to mention, then then you've got that report that you can show your electrician and your plumber and your roofer and your other tradesmen, and it'll help you with your scope of work.
0: This is great. I wouldn't have thought of that. My mindset would have been, well, I'm going to rehab the house anyway. You know, if I buy a house I'm going to move into, yeah, I want to have a a professional inspection done because I might not see some stuff. But hey, if I'm going to rehab it anyway, but this is great information. The inspector is also usually a general contractor or someone in the trade, certainly someone who looks at houses a lot. They may find things that you, especially as a novice, aren't going to see, and it's almost like an extra set of eyes for a few hundred dollars. I think that is a great uh, ounce of prevention.
2: Absolutely. It's a a good spend, uh, and there's a small chance that you'll even uh, end up getting some some good referrals uh, for a tradesperson or two from your inspector because they know the HVAC guys, they know the plumbers, they know the roofers, because whenever they inspect these properties, Properties and they find problems, uh, people ask them, well, who should I use? So you might be able to get some good stuff from them as well.
0: All right. I want to stay in this vein. Before we're done, we're going to talk about acquiring property, what you're doing today in a tough market when there's a lot of buyers and all that kind of stuff. But let's let's stay on on kind of the the production, the rehab part of it, because as I'm managing the job, uh, say, say that you you run up against the, you know, in development, we run up against a a change, you know, a, a plan change or change of use or scope of work changes. So to your point, you want to have all that up front. What happens midway through? You find out some situation comes up, and it does make sense to either do a little more work or to change something. How do you approach that?
2: Okay, the best way to do that, and it always happens, is you're not going to do, you're not going to be rehabbing a property when you don't come up with what we'll call a change order. Yeah. Well, when the contractor opens up the the sheetrock wall and they see that there's termite damage. People think termites and they think, oh, lots of money. Not necessarily. Wood's not very, wood's pretty cheap. So you've got to replace five or six pieces of two by four or floor joists. The main thing is to have already identified how much your contractor is working for per hour. So if it's your general handyman and he or she says that it's gonna take 100 hours and they want 2,500 bucks for the job, you know they're willing to work for 25 bucks an hour. Yep. You run into the change order issue and you say, uh, hey Susie, uh, how long do you think it's gonna take you guys to rip this stuff out and replace it? Including drive time to the hardware store and gas money and whatnot. You wanna make sure it's worth their while but that you're not getting taken advantage of. If she says it's going to take six hours, then you know exactly how much to pay. All right. Good stuff. So once
0: I'm in the process of this and it's moving along and I've got, you know, my my teams are working and they're coordinating and all that, I'm driving towards being rent ready, right? That's kind of the thing. If I don't have a relationship with a property manager, I don't know the market in terms of what the rent is. And I'll have done some of that due diligence ahead of time, but at what point Do I start thinking about renting it out? I'm not going to wait till it's all done and then put an ad in. At what point does it make sense to
2: start? Looking for either property management solution or tenants. You can start looking for a property management solution at any time during the rehab, but I wouldn't let potential tenants start walking through the property until it's safe. One of the best times to market a property can be during the renovation because there are work vans. They're coming, they're going. The neighbors are seeing there's some activity and people are thinking, wow, this, this house is going to be great. So it's a good time to market the property, but you don't want to market too soon. And the reason is because usually tenants that are looking to move, they've got, say, a 30-day window of when they're wanting to move. And if you start marketing too soon, you're going to have people that would love to have your property, but you're not going to be finished with the rehab soon enough, and you're going to waste your time in theirs too. So we like to use two weeks. So at about the two-week mark, we're going to pop signs in the yard, and we're going to start marketing the property for uh, for rent. We have a website that folks can go to and check it out, but you don't have to have that. Have a flyer box out front Um, for a couple of bucks. Put some flyers in. there and describe the amenities, how much you want for the deposit, if there's a pet deposit, and some other things that you have gleaned from other properties uh, in the same area through other property management companies. So the idea is not to reinvent the wheel, but to just follow the market and see what other folks are doing because they've already stepped in the landmines.
0: Now, one of the things I learned from being in your office is that you guys regularly keep right there in your office a certain amount of supplies of the things that are regularly going to have to be replaced or repaired or so forth. And so as I'm rehabbing a house with an eye towards it being a long-term rental, what are the things I need to keep? A gallon of paint, certain material. If I'm just going to, you know, a typical guy is going to come in and do the job and then clean everything out and you're done. But I'm going to keep the house for 10 years. What are the things I need to be thinking about there?
2: You need to make sure to keep a few pieces of ceramic tile. Uh, if, uh, if you're rehabbing the house and uh, you're going to be using a specific paint color, make sure to keep that paint on hand because when the tenant moves out, uh, you want to make sure that if that paint color has been discontinued, you can take that gallon of paint and have it matched so you can touch up. Instead, Of repainting, so uh, hang on to a carpet sample. Hang on to a piece of ceramic tile for the floor. Hang on to the ceramic tile for the wall. Um, And so, uh, when the next property comes around that you're going to rehab, you can, uh, you know, you use the same materials. But the main thing is, when the property turns over and your tenant moves out, uh, you've got all that stuff to make repairs with.
0: All right, good stuff. We're talking about rehabbing a property. Whether you're going to turn around and sell it or keep it in your own account, we'll visit more with Terry when we come back. Also, we'll clip a real estate trivia. Your chance to win a prize. Next, you're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host,
3: Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com.
0: Are you achieving everything you want in life? What if there was a time-tested way to ensure that 2014 is your best year yet? The most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable. But how? The good news is that it's not rocket science. You, too, can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life. And now is the time. Hi, this is Robert Helms, and I'd like to personally invite you to attend Creating Your Future, the 2014 Goals Retreat, January 10th to 12th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend event has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click Events. Or call 888-489-7723, extension 18. Get your life back on track physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2014 Goals Retreat on the second weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888-489-7723, extension 18, today.
1: Hi, this is Anthony Mercurio from Tell Impossible, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys.
0: Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Great to have Terry Kerr with us. We'll get more nuggets of wisdom on rehabbing. Before we do that, let's play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. And if you can quickly get your email to us, once you hear the question or know the answer, Send it to trivia at realestateguysradio.com, trivia at realestateguysradio.com. You'll have a chance to win a brand new copy of the ABCs of Real Estate Investing by our good friend Ken McElroy, a wonderful book on all types of real estate investing, not just rehabbing as we're talking about today, although Ken has done his share of that. That is the prize. When you hear the question and think you know the answer or you just want to take a guess, just quickly get the email to us, include your name and your mailing address so that we can send you Ken's book. If you're the winner, trivia at realestateguysradio.com is the email address. Before we give you the question for this week's trivia contest, last week we asked this, what country has the least expensive gasoline? And the answer, Venezuela. There's been times this year when you could get gasoline in Venezuela for less than a dime a gallon. By the way, Turkey is the highest. All right, here's our question for this week. What country invented the gummy bear? Yeah, that's right. What country invented the gummy bear? You know, that darling little bear that you pop into your mouth and chew for hours. What country invented the gummy bear? If you think you know or you want to take a guess, simply send your answer and your mailing address to us. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com First person with the right answer gets a copy of the ABCs of Real Estate Investing by Ken McElroy, Rich Dad Advisor. That could be yours if you could tell us the country that invented the gummy bear. Get your answer to Trivia at realestateguysradio.com That That's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking with our good friend, Terry Kerr, who hails from Memphis, Tennessee, actually a native Memphian, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, so that's a market you know well. But uh, it's just great watching the way your team comes together to do this. And I thought we should dissect that a little bit because nobody starts at the level you're at doing 100 houses. You got to start little by little. And we talked about before the break, some of the mistakes that that happen in some of the landmines. I think one of the things people don't take into consideration is the value of their own time. When you start out, even though you're not the one necessarily moving everything and doing all the work, it takes a lot of your time. Can you talk to that aspect of it? Of How much time does it really take to do a rehab?
2: Well, it depends on how big the property is. It depends on how fast you're moving. Uh, my suggestion is to move as fast as possible because uh, your bottom line is, uh, in large part, going to be determined uh, by how quickly you renovated the house and, uh, and stopped the bleeding, whether that's selling or filling it with a tenant. For me, I worked nights and weekends for for, uh, for two years before I was able to quit my day job and go full time. So uh, there's there's a significant uh, time investment. So um, it's been well worth it for me. Wouldn't uh, want to do anything else. Uh, but you definitely need to uh, sit down with your spouse, uh, I believe, and really uh, figure out how much time uh, you want to allot to making a run at a big project like that. Because uh, you know you do have to miss the football games and the uh, the dance recitals and this and that. And uh, you know I don't have to miss those now. Now, but I did for a while. So uh, it's something that you need to be aware of and talk to your spouse about. Well, eyes wide open, right? The difference between a
0: hands-on real estate rehabber and someone that sits back, uh, you know, buy something turnkey or finished is completely different. But there is the ability to create this difference between what you acquire the property for and and, and what you sell it for. So that's kind of huge. Let's talk a little bit about that acquisition of property. Today, we're in a marketplace where there's a lot of folks, including well-funded big companies and hedge funds who are out buying properties. How is it that you can get any kind of competitive advantage buying the Ugly Duckling property?
2: You've just got to get out there and start shaking trees. Uh, You know, look at properties that pop up uh, on the MLS. Go out and look at these properties. Yes, you're going to get beat by some hedge funds. We get beat all the time. I probably estimate uh, about 25 properties for every property we buy. So there is a whole lot of time spent. In going out, looking at a property, estimating the rehab, making the offer, and losing that's okay. We just keep on hammering it and it's just part of our business model. Uh, But also talk to probate attorneys. Talk to 1031 exchange attorneys. Just let people know that you're in the business of looking for properties that need repair uh, and you'll be surprised. You'll get um, a notification from your mailman or the garbage man or whatnot. Our phone rings all the time with folks who are not listing property. They just know that we buy them, fix them, and sell them. And I tell everybody the same thing who comes to me wanting to sell a property, which is this. I'm the last guy you want to sell a house to. Right. Because I'm not going to be able to pay as much as most folks. However, if you want to close fast for all cash, let's rock and roll. But the reality is, is you need to get out there, shake the trees, talk to the real estate agents, and remember to always make the offer directly to the listing agent. If you're buying property, don't get a buyer's agent who's going to go out and make the offer to another agent on your behalf. You're going to educate yourself on what the property needs by doing your Saturday powwow with all these trades folks. Once you know how much you can afford to pay for the property, make that offer directly to the listing agent because the listing agent will get 100% of the commission or Typically, 6% of the sales price instead of half of that. You'd be surprised how many offers that might be better than yours just might accidentally get lost because <laughs> they were submitted by another agent. Doesn't mean it's right, it's just the reality. That's a good point because seat knowledge is huge here. I mean,
0: that's the reality is let's just face it human nature is if I'm the listing agent and there's three offers, one of them I wrote which am I going to favor, right? I mean we definitely like when there's an arm's length transaction and two agents involved but absolutely there's a a case for dual agency and for again in this case you have to know the price you're willing to pay. You have to know what you're going to do to the property, and the outcome. You're not relying on the agent for that. And you're going to get a competent agent. The listing agent is going to be someone who is competent. It's just this misnomer of thinking that, well, the, the listing agent's job is to maximize the the price for the seller, kind of. But really, their job is to make the deal happen.
2: Absolutely. And your agent, if you hired an agent to help you hunt down deals and find them, they get paid regardless of how well the deal turns out for you. So don't think that by hiring an agent to help you go find property that they're going to be doing your due diligence for you. That is your job and your job alone. And the best due diligence is is to find out what the properties are selling for, find out what they're renting for, and then get your contracting guys in there to give you the bids, and then you back into your offer.
0: Let's talk about one of the other realities of rehabbing, and that is this. If if I buy a finished house with a tenant in it, then financing is going to look pretty traditional, maybe 20% down if I'm qualified and so forth. If when I buy an ugly duckling house, it's probably at a price that's below what a lender would lend at. The collateral's not going to be adequate. The appraisal, you're not going to even do an appraisal, perhaps. You're going to really have to operate on cash, which means you need cash for the rehab. You need cash for this time we talked about, the property taxes and the insurance and the utilities and the things that are that are going on, whether or not there's a tenant and all that. How well capitalized you need to be
2: to do a rehab? You need to have more money than you think you need because you need to figure on the learning curve. You need to figure it's going to take you longer than you think. You need to figure on some oops along the way uh, with some additional cost in the rehab. And you need to know where the back door is before you go through the front door. And what I mean by that is if you're going to keep this property, and even if you're planning on selling it, I suggest that you get qualified by a mortgage broker that specializes in long-term investment financing because the last thing that you want to do is borrow money from a private lender or a buddy or whatnot or tap your home equity line of credit however you're going to get your funds rehab this property and plan on putting it into your portfolio to keep the property and then you can't get financing so uh, definitely make sure to do that uh, before you start doing anything now, quickly, uh, in the time we have remaining, I also want to pick your brain
0: a little about property management, because this is arguably the thing that that makes the execution of your strategy work, having competent property management. And that's also a business you kind of have entered by default, right? Managing your own portfolio for a long time and then agreeing to go ahead and manage the clients who bought houses from you, their property. Because again, you know that property, you know that tenant base. What are some of the things I need to know to hire a property manager?
2: wow there are a lot of things that you need to know to hire a property manager the main thing is is you need to know if the fees that they're going to be charging are in line with the market what's the percentage of the rent that they're going to keep are they going to require a whole month's rent as a placement fee when they put a tenant or is it just a half a month's rent are they marking up the repairs or are they just doing a straight pass-through if they're just doing a straight pass-through can you take a look and see how much they charge to have a water heater installed? How much do they charge to have a toilet unstopped? These are things that happen every single day and every single week. So if your property management company is unwilling to show you how much they've been paying their tradespeople and the invoice that they are charging the other owners that they're managing for, then you need to keep on moving.
0: Let's talk real quick about Memphis. It's a great market and we've certainly had a, an awesome time coming there for field trips. It's a uh, Captivating in so, so many ways. But what are you seeing in terms of, of the marketplace in terms of stability of tenants? Are prices going up there? We hear, you know, Memphis was named the number one market in terms of cap rate
2: return in the Wall Street Journal. That's had to put some spotlight on the market. Uh, what's, what's been happening in your market? Sure. Uh, in Memphis, it's just sort of steady as she goes. Uh, Memphis has never had a drastic appreciation, but we've always been nice and steady. Uh, and that continues. Uh, prices have ticked up just a little bit, but rents have ticked up a smidge too. Uh, so the, return on investment is the same as it's been ever since I got into this business about 12 years ago. All right. Well, this
0: has been so great. We really appreciate you kind of opening the kimono and explaining, you know, eyes open. This is uh, what has to be done. I know we could go on for hours about this, but it's been uh, there's been some great nuggets today and uh, can't wait to hear what uh, people think about today's show. Thanks, Terry. Thank you very much. Terry Kerr is with Mid South Home Buyers. We'll tell you what Terry does and how you get a hold of him when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys
3: radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com.
0: Estate continues to drop. Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it, come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com and I'll see you in beautiful Belize.
3: Hi, this is Kim Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Woman and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys.
0: And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys
1: radio program. Always great to get around Mr. Terry Kern. It is. It's always great to get around people that live, breathe, eat, drink, sleep and are completely focused and immersed uh, in a very narrow niche. He knows his market like the back of his hand, and he certainly has the hands-on tactical knowledge that anybody who is really wanting to learn how to do the business, because a lot of people do, right? I mean, that's the entry point. You know, you watch the late night TV and you sit there thinking, how can I do real estate? We get a lot of things from college people who can't find jobs and they look at real estate as a way to go. We look at, find people that have been laid off and they look at real estate and they're considering either going down the brokerage path and selling real estate or they're thinking, hey, I've got a little bit of working capital. I'll go flip some houses. You know, those house flipping shows are extremely popular right now. A lot of podcasts out there on flipping are very popular right now. And, you know, we don't talk a lot about that, as you said, at the top of the show, because this is really more about investing, but ultimately it's a great way, you know, to get started. And Terry is a guy that knows exactly what it takes. I remember I only did one. I did one. Like you you talked about yours where you did it but you hired somebody to do it. Yep. I did mine hands on. I went to Home Depot at five o'clock in the morning and saw the contractors there. And I met some folks there. And I went to the little classes they had to teach you how to do stuff. And I was the crew leader, if you will. I acted as the GC. Many of the things he said I did. What I did wrong or what happened to me my first time, it took me six months instead of two and $60,000 instead of $20,000. And I learned a ton and I chalked it all up to education and I got some tools and equipment that was handy and all that was great. But you know what? I would get off my job at five o'clock, six o'clock, and I would get to the job site that we called it, and I kind of learned to talk the con- contractor lingo. Had the boots, had the work belt. I thought. You had I, the word tool belt, did you? Yeah, I thought yeah, I right. was all that. It was a lot of fun, right? But I mean, there were times. Literally, I remember screwing joists and trying to help. That we took the whole kitchen down to the floorboards, and I'm lying in the dirt underneath the floorboards, uh, looking up at the ceiling, which wasn't there either. You know, right through the floor to the ceiling, and falling dead asleep. And waking up like two hours later and I got to go to work the next day and I'm asleep in the dirt, on the ground, under the floorboards, in this house I'm rehabbing. And why don't you do that anymore? Oh, man. (laughs) Like I said, it was a great education. I learned how to sweat copper pipe. I mean, I learned a lot. It was great and I don't regret it at all. But, you know, anybody that thinks that's investing, that's like saying I'm going to buy stock and then I'm going to run the company starting in the mail room, you know, all the way up to the janitor and all that. You know what I mean? It's just, you have to understand the difference. So good practical stuff today. And I just appreciate
0: Terry being open enough, right? He's a guy who's always willing to share. In fact, I know that he's speaking in his local community, into the investment clubs, into the groups of people that do what he does because he's a pro. Terry's business model, and obviously, if you hear our show, you probably notice that he's an advertiser on our program. Right. Now, rather than come on today and talk all about his program and what you can buy from him and no, his whole thing was about giving back value. And these are practical techniques. Nothing would make Terry happier than you going off and doing the thing and get excited about real estate and rehabbing. If it's too much for you to do, well, then his solution is turnkey properties and, and what he has done since the beginning. And we didn't really tell the story because we've told it before. It's been a few years. You might go back into the podcast archive and check out his story. He started just rehabbing houses, sold a couple to, to make money to rehab one he could keep, and then he would rehab a few, keep one, rehab a few,
1: keep one. Essentially, he's still doing that today, 10 years, 12 years later. I, I think that actually brings up a bigger topic I'd like to take just a quick second to address. That is how we operate the show what the show is all about right our show is about ideas information perspectives giving people access to people like terry or frank holmes or robert kiyosaki or peter schiff people that are down in the trenches making money every day people that are looking at the macroeconomics from the highest possible level we want to bring those ideas to the listening audience but when people say okay now i want to do something how do i get connected and so the show is almost like a virtual trade show. You know, you go to classes, you learn, but then you can plug into what we call our resource network where the people who financially support the show, because you're not paying to listen to the radio show or the podcast, right? So we have to get paid somehow, and we get paid by the sponsors, like any radio show out there that does business. But everybody in the resource network is handpicked because they do something very specific that fits the things that we talk about, that are in markets that we like You know, we don't talk about what we do personally, but we pick markets that we like and people that are there and we find great people and we like to highlight them. We get a lot of people think that's a lot of great value. I think it's a great value. We've created something I know when I was on the outside of the real estate business looking in that I wanted to have. And we're very proud of what we've done. We're hoping you get a lot of value of it. And it really helps us a lot when you engage with our sponsors. So we appreciate that. My takeaway from
0: this amazing bit of information in those gold nuggets are, you know what, I'm just going to have to redo it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you watch him walk through a house. In, in two minutes, he'll know how much money to spend. He talked about bidding 25 houses. How? He's done it so many times that it's hard to surprise him. Well,
1: he's a, he's a relationship guy, too, and he's been with us forever, and we never get any bad feedback on him.
0: Quite the contrary, actually. So uh, good stuff. If you want to go out there and learn how to rehab, we would absolutely encourage you to do that right to the point where you say, too much for me, uh, I'll let somebody else handle that. Or maybe you're going to be the next all-star Terry Kerr. We'll see. Until next week's show, go out and force some equity to happen.
3: This episode of The Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life, powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton.